Welcome everybody to episode 10 TLDR podcast where we do the research and the trash talking for you. Guys, we're, you know, after 10 episodes, it seems like a lot is, is happening every, every, every week. Um, we're in the middle of, of all these sports in the middle of, uh, literally in the middle of MLB, uh, in the middle of the second round of the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, um, in the first round, just kind of showing up and we're what, two weeks away from football starting uh, a little less than that. Um, I mean, it seems like it's crazy. We're, we're getting crazy headlines. Um, it seems like the competition's fantastic. Um, but, you know, I think, we're, I think we're just excited for football to start and these playoffs to continue. James, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Like you said, football's coming up. I had a really good weekend this weekend. Played some golf yeah. with you guys. Drank a lot. Seltzers. Alex, trading. Seltzer, guys. Yes, sir. Uh, played some dye. Eric, surprised to see you here, man. You're alive. You died on Saturday. How are you feeling? <laughs> did I sign that hat for Jose? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm alive. Uh, and watching Tyler play beer dye, you he actually finally looks like an athlete when he plays that game. Yeah, he, he actually like gets into an athletic position and like takes it seriously. It's crazy to think that he would ever show signs of athleticism, but. Tyler sunk my cup like three times for some reason. He four times. He goes actually four times. Four times. <laughs> Once. And then he sunk trade in his own partner's cup, and then we end up winning that game. But, yeah, I'm alive. Tyler, how was your weekend? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Eric, ouch. I think I'm fairly athletic. I don't know why you're so surprised. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the first time I actually ever played Beard Eye, Snap Wave, Recon. I actually enjoyed it. Alex, I know you have a great story about me playing Snappa that you can tell in a second. But, uh, yeah, uh, I felt good that game. And I'm a little disappointed that trade and we didn't pull it off in that final game five. Wow. It was well, cool. I'm pretty sorry. So. No, it's all I'm good. Sorry. I, hey, my, Alex. My, my, my back's a little sore from carrying the team on it, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Good, good thing wow. I have to stretch, stretch out. Huh? Wow. Alex, like, I'm going on a win here. Are you drinking something, something good or is that just water? <laughs> I'm drinking. I'm being. Uh, I'm being responsible. I got water in one cup, and I got uh, some wine in the other. Oh, so, oh. responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to uh, what Tyler alluded to, the very first time we ever played Snappa and or beer die, depending on what you guys want to call it, uh, Tyler cried, and then <laughs> he fell asleep face down on our kitchen floor. And there is photo evidence. I'd have to do some searching. <laughs> Uh, and uh, then he would not – and then I've never played with him since then, and that was at least seven years ago. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He would ref- he's refused to play ever since, so I'm yeah. proud of you guys for convincing him to uh, wow. fucking yeah. figure it out or whatever. I, I deny zero facts from that story. That's, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> well, speaking of facts and, uh, and I guess, fiction or, or storylines, I should say um, – we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about MLB. Tyler, we're halfway through the season. Um, my favorite, my new favorite team's halfway through their season. Um, I know you have a lot of headlines you want to talk about. Uh, kind of an outlook for the rest of the season. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So uh, last week, uh, MLB teams passed the uh, halfway point of the sixty-game season. Of course, the uh, the Cardinals and Marlins a little bit behind, but they will hopefully catch up. We're pretty close to it. Uh, so, so first thing I want to do is just quickly go over kind of the, the postseason picture right now, what teams are in it as we speak here on Tuesday. Um, in the American League, uh, we got Tampa Bay in first place, one game ahead of the Yankees. 
Uh, in the AL Central, this is a really, really tight race between three teams. You got Minnesota is on top, and then Cleveland and Chicago, after the no-hitter from Lucas Giolito today, are tied for second place, only a, a game and a half back. Um, in the AL West, Oakland is looking really good right now with a 20-10 and 10 record. They are three and a half games ahead of Houston um, in the AL West. So those are the teams in the American League. And the wild card race, you got Toronto, uh, 14 and 14, and Baltimore right behind them at 14 and 15. Um, of course, with that AL Central, one of those teams that aren't going to make that second spot will most likely make that uh, wild card spot. So it's kind of a battle between Toronto and Baltimore there for the second wild card spot. And then uh, moving on to the National League in the East, uh, the Braves have a one game lead um, over the Miami Marlins, who are still holding on to that, that second spot. And then in the NL Central, uh, the Cubs are two and a half games ahead of St. Louis. Of course, St. Louis has a lot of games they need to make up, so that could change pretty quickly. Um, in the NL West, the Dodgers are running away with this one, despite San, the, the Slam Diego Padres, who hit five grand slams last week, um, mm -hmm. who have the second best record, or the third best record in the league, but are four games behind the Dodgers, who are 22 and eight. Um, and then for the wild card, Two more teams from the, from the NL West, the Colorado Rockies and the San Francisco Giants are currently uh, taking on that second wild card spot. Uh, so a little bit of surprise there in the wild card for me. Um, Alex, uh, I'm going to ask you about these standings. Um, are there any teams that you think that are not currently in it that will make it? Any of these teams that, that fall out? Um, currently, there are four teams of, in the NL West in the postseason. Do you see that holding up or give me your thoughts on the uh, postseason picture right now? Yeah, so st starting with the NL, um, I can't. I can see Colorado sticking around. Um, I don't envision San Francisco sticking around. I just don't think they have enough pitching to deal with some of these other teams that are going to come up. Um, granted, they don't have to play the Dodgers um, anymore. I believe after this series that they're currently playing, which has to be helpful. Um, so. I think Colorado can stick in there. I think the Padres are for sure going to end up in that second spot in the NL West. If I had to pick, I'm kind of feeling the Mets. I don't really have a reason other than Jacob DeGrom. He could probably lead that team to that to a wild card spot. Um, you know, I in the other in the Central, I picked the Cardinals to win. I do think they're going to catch the Cubs. I think their pitching depth is not good enough. It's not going to hang up. We talked about it in that first one, Tyler. Miami, they're still in it. Dude, I kind of have a feeling they might be able to get in. in. That, that NL East is weird as shit. Um, but really, in the NL, anyone could make it into those two wild card spots except for Pittsburgh. All 14 teams are realistically still in it. I think Cincinnati has been a huge disappointment because um, I'm pretty sure you picked them to make the playoffs earlier, so you're I an did. idiot. I did, yes. Um, and then moving over to the AL, I think it's done, to be completely honest. I think the uh, Oakland, who I would like to point out, I picked to win the AL West, is fucking killing it. So I'm a genius. Uh, Minnesota, New York, and Tampa are nasty. And then whichever one of those, that Cleveland or Chicago team doesn't make, you know, one of those top two spots in the AL Central falls to the wild card. Toronto's going to get that other one. I don't believe in Baltimore. There's no team that even has like above a 400 winning percentage other than Baltimore. So they're, but I just, they just can't have enough. So um, also angels are terrible. Just gotta put that up there. <laughs> yeah. I also want to give myself a little pat on the back currently. Um, 
five out of the six teams I predicted to win their divisions are currently winning their divisions. The only one I don't got right now is the Yankees in the East, but that's the closest one. Uh, so we'll see how the rest of the season pans out. I, I kind of agree with you, Alex. I think the American League looks pretty accurate. I see. I can see those standings kind of holding up. That AL Central race is going to be very interesting to watch. Um, and then in the NL, um, I mean, you pretty much got, you got the Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers headlining those divisions. That wild card's going to be very interesting. It's going to be, I think, two mediocre teams that make it. Um, so it will see what happens with that. Um, so moving on. What I'm are you going to do when the Dodgers lose the World Series again this year, though? Is it just well, going to be like another waste of a season? or They won't. You know, they just oh, – oh, okay. Okay. They won't. Okay. They 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 just they just have to not fuck up, which is a big ask. But you know, mm. right now you should call you should call them and tell them that. Yeah. Hey, I'm, yeah. Just don't fuck up. Yeah. Just 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 <laughs> it's, play it's like you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> it really is. Won the last five. Yeah. Just don't fuck up. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a, you know deja vu. The Dodgers are running away with the division. Got one one of the best records in baseball been the same story the last you know three or four years we just gotta you know lock it in the playoffs but we'll talk about that when the playoffs come um so moving on to my biggest surprise and biggest disappointment of the season uh, my biggest surprise are um a few rebuilding teams are in the race right now in the marlins orioles and giants um certainly halfway through the season i didn't think any of these teams would even be in, in the conversation um of those three i see the marlins possibly making it the orioles and giants not so much um, but it's still pretty cool to see, you know, this is one of those things about this 60 game sprint there, there's going to be some surprises. Um, for me, I think the Marlins are the biggest one. Um, James, do you see any of those teams making the postseason? And then what is your biggest surprise of this season so far? Um, I definitely think they all have a decent, it's baseball. Like things can happen that you don't think is going to happen. So they definitely, they definitely have a, a chance to make the postseason there for all those teams you just mentioned. Um, my biggest surprise also has my biggest disappointment, and that is the Angels being the second worst team in the league. Ugh. I mean, none of us, I kind of hoped, but none of us really thought they were going to win the division, but we also didn't think they were going to go 10-22 and 22 and be absolutely atrocious, like terrible. They have the fourth highest negative point difference in the league at negative 34. They're just a bad team, and it sucks. Yeah, they're – having a rough, rough time of it right now. Um, and that's going to swing me to the, my biggest appointment, which is the Los Angeles Angels. And I'm also going to say the Cincinnati Reds of the National League. I picked the, the Cincinnati Reds to win the wild card. And they're 11 to 16 right now. They have the worst batting average in baseball, which going into it, I said, this lineup is stacked and they can rake. And they are shitting the bed. They're hitting 204 as a team right now. Nick Cassianos is the only guy worth, uh, worthy to be in, in that lineup. Um, other than that, they just are struggling on the, off, on the offensive side. I'm still kind of waiting for this team to get hot. I still think that they, if they can figure out their offense, can make a run for that last wild card. Um, so I'm not giving up hope on my Reds yet. Um, so I think they still have a chance. But, but as of halfway through, real big uh, mess over there in Cincinnati. And, and the, on the American League, Angels, like you mentioned, 10-22. and 22. Uh, They have the third worst team in baseball right now. Um, their pitching is just – Again, not it's just not good right now. Um, there, but there's a lot of stuff going on, and they just can't seem to, you know, get going. I mean, they they they've had Mike Trout on their team for the last who knows how long. Seems it seems like forever. Zero playoff wins to to show for it. Um, Eric, 
who's to blame here for the Angels' problems? Who is to blame for the Angels' struggles? Not a person, not a place, but a thing. It's called the stupid fucking coronavirus. Oh, you know okay. why? Oh, because, my God. <laughs> because it's shortened the season in the first place, and it's shortened the season in half. They got a new coach, uh, the new pitching staff. They needed time to get these things into a groove, and that's not going to happen this year for them. Their pitching is not working out the way that it should. But at the same time, Joe Madden, I've seen him kind of pull the trigger early on a lot of the pitchers where other teams would maybe give him a longer chance, longer leash. Um, I think he's trying to test the waters with his pitchers. Uh, there's not many that can get the job done right now for them. So I'm going to go half the virus and half the pitching. But okay. another thing is when the pitching goes well for them, which is rare, then the hitting doesn't. It's like they, it's either one or the other. And then a lot of times it's just neither. So <laughs> you don't hit and score runs in baseball, you don't win. And if you're winning in baseball and then you don't pitch the ball and the other team scores a bunch of runs, then you don't win. So that is not winning. Works, yeah. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. <laughs> uh, James, do you have anything to, to add to that? Yeah, I agree with Eric. And it's, it's the coaching staff. The, the reason why they're losing is because of Joe Madden. That guy, like, I haven't liked him since game one. He pulled Andrew Heaney after 60 pitches when he was killing it in game one because he threw one ball and walked one guy. Like, nah, dude. You're not giving the pitchers the confidence they need to throw what they need to throw. Right now, they're all just aiming their pitches because they're scared as shit to miss. And that's his fault. That's on Joe Madden. The pitchers doing terrible because of him. Last year, they didn't do this bad. Last year with Brad Osmus, they were 15 and 17 through 30, 32 games, which is not spectacular, but it's better than 10 and 22. This is on Joe Madden. Come on, man. You're better than this. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally want to see the Angels do well. I want to see the two teams in L.A. battle for it, possibly see an L.A.-L.A. versus uh, World Series. That would be awesome. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts in the same postseason. All um, land. Yeah, I, 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 I want the Angels to do well. Um, not because I like you guys, but just because I want to see good baseball. Um, so moving on, uh, my first half MVP awards uh, in the National League. No contest here. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, currently hitting 314, 12 home runs, 29 RBIs at a 1.073 OPS. I mean, this guy's lighting the baseball world on fire. Um, he is an unbelievable talent right now. Trading, I'm going to ask you about him in, in, in a second here. Um, but for my American League MVP, 40-year-old DH, Nelson Cruz. All right, this guy is at 40 years old. He's hitting 343. 10 home runs, 26 RBIs at a 1.122 uh, OPS. This guy's hitting this well at 40. I can't imagine to see what he's going to do at 50. Um, so, Traden, I wanted to ask you, I know you're a big fan of uh, Tatis. We talked about him last Titties. week. Uh, is he the most exciting player in baseball right now? And has he dethroned Mike Trout as the face of baseball? For COVID, Yes. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know that you can say that. I mean, Mike Trout has been kind of doing this for so long. Um, I think it's a little early for that. But I will say this year, absolutely. Um, the guys, within 30 games, the guy has been 118 at-bats, 29 runs, 12 home runs, and 29 RBIs, leading the league in those last two stats. Um, we, had, we talked about his, grand, his controversial grand slam. Well, I don't think the team really cared because they went, went ahead and, and scored 
four in a row, which has never happened in baseball. And then they scored another one, like you said. <laughs> um, Fernando is like hitting and stealing his way to become the MVP for sure. Um, I, I, I don't know that it's hands down. I think, I, I think that there's a heated race between your guys as Mookie Betts um, and um, Yastra Zemke. Is that how you say that name? He's, he's having a pretty <laughs> solid season. Yes, Dremski. Um, nice try. There you go. But I just look at it this way. I mean, San Diego hasn't reached the, the postseason since 06. Um, this is their the third longest drought in the in, in MLB. Um, they seem it almost seems like Tatis is putting everything on his back and just and, and, and doing everything and offensively and defensively. I mean, he, on Sunday, he had a crazy ass catch. That was like insane. Um, and so he's making all these plays. Um, and I, I, he's definitely the most electrifying player. He's the most exciting player. And if they make the playoffs, I, I mean, in my mind, that is that is MVP worthy. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't know how you can give them the MVP. I'm I'm kind of the your team has to make the MVP type of type of guy. So Mookie Betts would be your guy. But um, at this point, he he's turning heads and he's he's making it fun for player for people like me to watch the game. Um, so that's that's where I'm like. And, and oh, and by the way, you know I I come from a hockey type of background, so baseball can be a little boring for me at times. So. <laughs> when a player like this comes out and, and it does doing these types of things, it makes, it gets me excited. So. For sure. I mean, that's why I would say he's probably the face of baseball because he's getting guys like you to watch it, you know? And for me, yeah. that's, that's the definition of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, Fernando Tatis, what a fucking player. Slam Diego, baby. I mean, that's an unbelievable story going down there. <laughs> it is. Um, it is. All right. So the, a uh, few real quick, my biggest storylines to watch moving forward here. Uh, we have a couple of guys that are currently hitting above 400. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is at 411. He is currently on the IL with a uh, thumb injury, so that might change because his, uh, he won't have enough at-bats, but he might come back and keep, keep swinging it. Also, Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies is at 405. He was hitting 500 about a week ago um, and has struggled since, so uh, he's kind of cooling off a little bit. Um, Alex, simple question. Do we get a 400 hitter this season? No. Uh, I mean, Charlie Blackman ran into the buzzsaw that is the Los Angeles Dodgers pitching staff. Um, and he literally dropped a hundred points in batting average in a three game series. He's done. Um, LeMahieu is not going to, if he, if he comes back with enough plate appearances to qualify for the title, um, he still won't do it. We've seen time and time again in baseball, some injuries will sap any amount of hitting that a baseball player can do. If you can't hold on to the bat with a strong thumb, you're fucked. Uh, so, no. Yeah. Not a uh, agreed. Um, moving on to uh, kind of how COVID-19 has played a role so far in this season and uh, injury rates is, a, is an interesting story to look at. Uh, obviously, the, the Marlins and Cardinals are the two teams that had the big outbreaks, um, and their schedule is crazy. I believe the, the Cardinals have to make up uh, 42 games in 37 days or something crazy like that. Um, so it's going to be a crazy schedule for them, as, as well as the Marlins. Lots of doubleheaders. Um, I don't really see it possible that they're going to play 60 games. It could happen. If they have to, if they, but what happens if they get a rain out in September on a doubleheader? Like, it's going to be interesting. So with those final games going on, 
if there's a you know four game difference, five game difference in standings, that's going to be a very interesting thing to for, for that to play out because both those teams are currently in a postseason spot. Um, and real quick on for uh, injury stat for you guys, um, through 31 games in 2018, there were 43 pitching in pitchers to, to go on the IL. Uh, last season, 2019, there were 51 through 31 games. Through 31 games so far this season, there have been 98 pitchers on the on the injury list. Uh, so more than double what we've seen. I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the, you know, so unquote rushed kind of, uh, you know, summer training back into it. A lot of double headers. Um, so that's interesting to kind of kind of know. There's been a lot of guys that go on the IL as us in playing fantasy definitely are aware of. Um, Eric, do we see another team outbreak of COVID and how do you see the schedule playing out for the Cardinals and, and, and Marlins? Yes, we do see another team outbreak. Who? Call uh, it. Call it. Uh, Padres. Uh, <laughs> Padres. Padres. Oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> Everything's Whoa. going well for them and a classic Padres moment. Everything is going well and it goes to straight for shit. So <laughs> be it so could sad. be them, but just with the no bubble rule, you know, it's it's been a side. Um, Clippers are doing really well right now. Uh, anyways, the whole no bubble rule is it just kind of makes it difficult. You had the situation with Clevenger and, and the Indians. You know, they got lucky with that with without any outbreaks. You know, that could have been another team right there. As far as the other part of the question, how are they going to make up those games? That is going to be interesting because, um, like you guys are saying, the Cardinals are doing well. I, I mean, it seems like if they're going to have to make up those games and the season is over, I, it sounds like it would be almost like a play-in situation, you know? Like maybe a few few games, four or five games of a, of a series for them to play in to see who gets in, them and the Marlins and whoever else. But I think we, we may see one more team uh, get an outbreak. All right, well, I'll just have to wait and see if, Eric, you're right on your prediction. Uh, so just an update on the, uh, the Indians drama that we talked about last week. Uh, Clevenger today was called up. He's going to start Friday against the Twins, uh, one, of those, one of the two pitchers that uh, uh, violated team protocols with, with COVID. Uh, Please act is currently still down on the roster or down on the uh, alternate site. Um, Trayton, if, if the Indians continue to hold a playoff spot, um, are they going to call up uh, Please act? Well, it sounds to me like Plezak might be on the trading block. Um, I, I mean, it, the, the manager called him and said, or the manager president called him and said, we don't have an opportunity for you right now. And, it sound, and it's kind of weird because if you look at all of the, the Twitter on the, on the Indian side, they hate the current pitching staff, at least the lower end guys, and they're just screaming to have these guys back. So um, I, I don't know. Um, uh, that's that's a tough call. He was killing it before he before he shit the bed. Um, so it, I, I, you have to keep that in mind. And it, here's the thing: I, I'm not surprised Clevenger's back because uh, he's he's rotating in tomorrow. Um, look, guys, if if you're in a playoff spot and you have a chance to win the World Series, it, it, you, you got to just do it. I'm sorry, Oliver Perez. He was, he said he was going to opt out if they caught brought back in you have a chance to win a world series here. They're a contender. I'm sorry. I mean, I, it is what it is. You hope that they, now I will say this Clevenger has a huge, a, a huge responsibility that, to play. And if he, and if he does not play very well, I, I think that it even looks really, it looks worse. I think that he 
being in all of this, you know, this mess, I think hopefully it, it humbled them a little bit and said, okay, you fucked up your team. You have your meeting with your teammates. You figure it out. Your teammates hopefully will not hold a grudge and say, Hey dude, we need you back, you know, but you better play. Um, and, and I would say that any other, you know, any other league, or I'm sorry, any other team in the league would be, would, would love to have Clevenger on their, on their rotation. I don't care who you are. Um, regardless of his, you know, what he did. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, please Zach is, is a question mark. Um, I would say that if he's, if he's around and, and they're having these troubles, um, offensively, then pitching is going to have to save them. Um, and he might have to come and save the day. Yeah. I, I, I think there's no doubt that please Zach's going to come up at some point. I think the Indians are just too good of a team and they're going to need those, those guys, especially in, in the postseason. Um, people to play and you got to play a certain amount of games to be on the postseason roster. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before please that gets called up. Um, Alex, did you have a, uh, you had a question you wanted to ask me? Yeah, just real quick. Um, it kind of now goes off script or whatever, but um, as we're talking about the NL and how much, how good the Dodgers are compared to every other team and how open that wild card spots are, uh, are there any teams that aren't currently in the playoff spots that you're you as a Dodgers fan are worried about. Um, yeah. yeah, I I think I still think that the biggest threat to the Dodgers in the postseason, um, honestly, is probably it could be the Padres, just the way that they're playing. If if they match up in this in a in a in a, in a postseason series, um, or I'm gonna, I'm also going to say the uh, Cubs, just because I think that they had that experience. I think that they. Um, are playing very well. Um, they're a little bit older, so if they stay healthy, that's kind of their big thing. Um, but I think those two teams for me are the teams I don't really, really want to play in the postseason. Uh, with that being said, Dodgers are the, the, the clear front runners here. All right, that's well, all I got on MLB. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. Uh, I, I, think, I think we're all interested in the season, how the rest of the season plays out. Um, when we come back, Alex is going to take us through the NBA playoffs. We have some teams that made it through, some teams that are still playing. Um, good discussions coming up, so, uh, so stay tuned. And we're back. Uh, before we before we go on, um, before we get to Alex, um, I just want to thank all of our fans who continuously listen to us. I think this last episode is one of our best. James um, keeps tabs. Yeah, on we had 124 plays after we, one week. We really appreciate best. that. That's huge. Um, and you know, we appreciate you guys continuously tuning in. If you guys would please, if you and if this is the first time listening, please subscribe. Please comment. We're, we plan on actually um, calling out some of you guys that comment on us to to thank you guys personally. Um, but with that, Alex, talk to us about NBA. What's going on here? Dude, it's been a crazy, crazy NBA playoff so far. Um, the East is – the first round's pretty much over with. Uh, we technically have one series still going. Uh, we'll, talk to Jam- we'll talk with James about that series later. Uh, the West, on the other hand, is just a fucking crapshoot right now. It's all over the place. Um, we're going to start actually back with you trading and the game that happened earlier today. So we got Nuggets Jazz. The Jazz did lose game five. They had a chance to close out the Nuggets. Did not happen. They're now up 3-2. Uh, game four, something crazy happened. We've never seen this before in the NBA playoffs. 
We had two guys drop 50 in the same game, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Um, that's absolutely nuts. Donovan Mitchell has now dropped 50 twice in this series. The only other players to do that in history are Allen Iverson and the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Um, Traden, what do you what do you think? Where do you go if you're the Jazz from here? You had a chance to close it out. You had the lead in the fourth. You fucked it up. The Nuggets came back at 3-2. What do you do if you're Utah? Yeah, so uh, I think you – honestly, I'm going to say it's going to sound weird. You stick to the game plan. I mean, you're not going to win every single game. They did drop first game. I get that. They did drop game five. But those middle, two, those middle three games, save for um, the closer game four, they have been the dominant team. I mean, they, they, I mean, the, the Nuggets just don't have the perimeter defense to stop um, to stop Donovan Mitchell. He is just playing outstanding. He's at 39 and a half points per game in the playoffs. That's before this game. Uh, he scored 50, like you said, 50 twice against Denver. Um, the Nuggets have, it's interesting. <laughs> the Nuggets have been one of the best teams in the regular season for two years straight. They just dropped the ball in playoffs and, it, it kind of is similar to a couple of teams that we see, I even see in the NHL that just don't understand how to win in the playoffs. The jazz are taking it to them. I mean, I don't know if anybody, I don't, I don't remember what everyone um, predicted, but I don't know if we, I don't know if I predicted the jazz, you know, playing this well, they're playing extremely well. Um, and, and so in my opinion, you know, yeah, Denver got another win. You have two more wins to, or you have two more chances to win. I, I think that you continuously, um, you know, obviously Donovan Mitchell is going to have to continue being outstanding, but just continue to penetrate, um, continue to attack, and and, and play your game. Um, yeah, you're not going to win every game, and that's just the way playoffs go. But I think you just got to continue with it um, and take advantage of the Nuggets' poor defense this this playoffs that have really regressed from even their yeah. their app their their okay defense in the regular season. Yeah, 100%. Um, that is, if the Jazz win, that is a six over a three. Uh, the Nuggets were really the best team in the West other than those two Los Angeles teams. Uh, but, yeah, Donovan Mitchell has just been fucking carrying them. Um, you're going to need Murray and Jokic to win another two games. I don't – I could. it could happen. Um, I just don't know if they're going to let – I just don't think Utah is going to let up on the gas. Uh, moving on, James, we got probably the most exciting series of the West so far. We got Rockets Thunder. We talked about this last week. Westbrook and Harden versus CP3. Uh, the Rockets were up 2-0. The Thunder came back and won two games. Uh, really, the Rockets threw away game four. They started that second half eight for eight on threes and then went three for 23 to end that game, and they lost. The series is now tied 2-2. Uh, in that game four, CP3, Schroeder, and Gilders Alexander combined for 74 points. What do you think? Where is this series going? Um, it's just been fucking bonkers so far. Yeah, man. This has been super competitive, super fun to watch. Really enjoying every second of this. Um, initially, I thought the Thunder was going to win a six. But now after watching all these games, I'm going Thunder in seven. Um, this is going to go seven games. Like It's going to go back and forth like crazy. In order for the Thunder to be successful, they have two big X factors, and that's Dennis Schroeder and Shai Gildas-Alexander. When those two guys play well, the Thunder win. Um, if you see the last couple games here, game three with the Thunder won, Shai had 23, Dennis Schroeder had 29. In game four, Shai had 18 and hey. Schroeder had 30. That's what it would say. Okay, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> that's his best friend over there, by the way. They work together personally. Um, but, yeah. 
pretty much if those two guys do well, CP3 is always going to be out there doing this thing. I'm really – it's weird how the, the Thunder aren't just feeding the ball to Steven Adams because there's not there's nobody that can guard Steven Adams right now if they just give him the ball. Like, if you see it right now, the Thunder are out rebounding the Rockets by 46 rebounds throughout the series. How they're not just feeding him the ball, I don't know. Uh, one other big thing to look out for, though, is the Russ could come back this, this series. I saw him before the game. He was doing um, a lot of agility and three-on-three three three drills. He couldn't make it back for game six or seven. Yeah, 100%. Russ coming back is a huge factor for those Rockets. There's a good chance it won't matter. Um, I thought when the Rockets traded Clint Capella and they went with this whole small ball lineup, it was super fucking dumb. Um, they rely too much on the three. They had game four in the bag, and then they got too, they got too happy with the long shot. They went cold, and they lost that game. Um, if, you were, if you were watching or listening to the guys doing the broadcast, it just kept saying over and over and over again, you know what? Sometimes you just got to see the ball go in the bucket, get some easy shots, get a dunk, get a layup. That's all you need sometimes. And the Rockers just refused to do that. And I blame that 100% on Mike D'Antoni. I still fucking hate him. I don't understand why that dude's coaching. He's possibly the worst coach in the NBA. Mike D'Antoni's <laughs> garbage. I don't expect the Rockets to come out of this series. They're up 2-0. CP3 is just going to carve them up. Moving on, speaking of guys carving up teams that should be doing better, uh, Eric, I see you got your Clippers jersey over your shoulder there. <laughs> Luka Doncic, in game four, he went 43-17-13 on a hurt ankle, didn't have Christoph Porzingis, won. First of all, why is Reggie Jackson guarding Luka Doncic? That's the first problem. Number two, Paul George scored nine points. What's going on with that? I will give him some love. He's dropped, he dropped a 30-piece tonight in game five. Um, what do you think about this series so far? Yeah. Um, first off, Porzingis is a pussy because he sat out from knee soreness. My knee is sore right now, but I'll take those millions of dollars to go fucking play a playoff basketball game, okay? Second off, Luke Doncic is a man. That guy, you saw him evert his ankle, which is an uncommon ankle injury. And he's been playing like a fucking monster out there on that ankle, like you said. And yes, Luca did hit the deadly scythe of a three-point buzzer beater to tie this series up. Um, it's We were talking about this earlier. The Clippers started out very well in that game. They were up by 20 points, uh, I believe, right before halftime. And it's kind of like what Traden has mentioned before. It's like having a three-goal lead early in a hockey game. In the playoffs nowadays, things can change very fast. Um, but, yeah, Paul George, he, he played well the first game of this series, and he did have some bad games. It was all over Twitter, all over the social media, everyone ragging on him. Luckily tonight, he has been doing way better. Um, but I think that game, you got to give it to Luka. You got to give it to the Mavs. They stuck in there. Um, but it did light a fire under the Clippers' ass, especially under Doc Rivers and their defensive coach, this dude named Rex, who's fucking a psycho, but he's amazing also, of just getting people riled up. Um, there's some defensive struggles going on with the Clippers, so that's a little worrisome, and they do need a little more emotion. And that's kind of what Doc said after that last game. He said, I didn't see any emotion out of my guys, you know, and Mavericks trumped their way in there. And, and you know, Doncic <laughs> – 
Reggie Jackson was on Doncic because the Mavericks are the highest scoring offense in the league right now, and they actually had a switch. So they had a perfect play of uh, pick and roll with on Kawhi, which made Reggie kind of jump over. But yeah, you're right at the same time. Even if Kawhi's getting picked right there, like find some way to get under that and jump in his face because, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it was for the game and, and he made the fucking shot. Uh, he still might have made it with two dudes in his face, though. That guy's amazing. Um, Clips need to play with emotion. They need to play all four quarters, get the defense right. They need Lou Will and the Trez, that dynamic bench duo, do a little better. They are doing much better this game as they're up by 31 points with five minutes to go. Uh, but Doncic, you know, it's going to be hard to stop that guy, even on his bum ankle at the moment. But I think this series is going to go six. Clippers are going to pull it off. This game tonight was huge. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was a little worried. Kind of how you guys were worried about the Trailblazers, but you guys are going to be fine now. There's nothing to worry about for that, as we'll get into that later. But yeah. one game at a time, one task at a time. That's That's my take so far. Okay. I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, I don't know. If you're a Clippers fan, you cannot be happy with that defensive showing in game four. Um, you know, you're supposed to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. You have Kawhi, you have PG-13. You can't let Reggie Jackson be guarding Luka Doncic, who in my mind has been the best player in this series. He's amazing. Um, he came out of nowhere, sort of. He was, uh, you know, he was technically, he was a third overall draft pick, but a lot of people were talking shit on him. I 100% believe that as LeBron James ages and retires, Luka Doncic will become the face of the NBA. He's got the personality. He's got the skill. He's got the swag. I love Luka Doncic. If I was not already a diehard Lakers fan, I would be ordering a Doncic jersey right fucking now. I think that dude is amazing. Um, I still have him going seven, uh, mostly just because I really want to see a game seven in this first round. Um, I'm hoping we get more than one. Um, with the last series in the West, it is probably not going to seven. Um, Ty, Lakers, Blazers, um, you know, as we were recording the last week's podcast, the Blazers – we're shocking the world and beating the Lakers in game one. Since then, the Lakers have just stomped on them, just pretty much showed them why they're the number one seed. Um, Dame hurt his finger. He still played. He's now out for game five. Um, Anthony Davis did leave game four with back spasms. But do you even imagine this game or this series going past five games? Based on everything that we've seen the last three games, no, I don't. Um, especially with Dame out, I think that's, you know, the kind of the final kick in the back there for the uh, Trailblazers. Uh, that game two defensive performance by the Lakers, I think, turned the tide in the series. Ever since then, I think the Trailblazers have just been, you know, kind of the, the fire that they had before was just, you know, burnt out. Um, so I think the Lakers need to finish the thing in five so they don't, you know, rekindle that flame if there is any left. Um, finish it off in five. You know, LeBron yesterday dropping 30 points on uh, Mamba Day. Amazing. Um, yeah, that, 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 and AD in that Lakers offense looks like it's clicking again. The defense is, you know, stepping up like the number one defense that they've been all season. Um, so, yeah, obviously game one, I was like, ah, shit. You know, this is exactly what I was worried about. But they came back in game two, and ever since then, they look like that number one seed. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be over in five. 
Yeah, I agree with you, um, especially with Dame out. Um, you know, there's some of those playoff runs where you have to squeak your way in and that momentum will kind of roll through and you can win some series. But after, yeah, after game one, the Blazers just look exhausted and the Lakers just look dominant. Um, yeah, happy birthday to Kobe. Uh, he would have been 42 a couple of days ago. Uh, Mama Day was yesterday, 824. Um, at one point, the Lakers were up 24 to 8. I thought that was super cool. LeBron said after the game, he felt Kobe in the building. So um, RIP Kobe again. Um, but yeah, this, is, this series is over in five games tomorrow evening. Moving on to the East. Uh, it's almost like a preview for the round two because three out of the four of the series are done. Uh, Traden, we'll start with you. You mentioned it last week. I gave you the Raptors Nets to talk about, and you said it was the easiest series to talk about. The Raptors literally made the Nets look like a JV high school team. Yeah, pretty much. It was not Um, pretty. It it wasn't. I mean, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I don't think there's not really much to talk about. Yeah, you really don't need to. It it was 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 an insane sweep. What I do want to bring up what was really crazy is, uh, well, unfortunately, first of all, Kyle Lowry is hurt. So him – being hurt is going to be a big question mark for for this team going forward. He's a huge part of that squad, um, and I, I, you know, watching him play last year and this year, I really appreciate his play. Um, but the Raptors bench recorded an NBA record 100 points out of the 150 points that they that they dropped in their game for. I mean, that's the most that any bench has has ever scored in the regular season or the playoffs. Since since starters were tra- starters were tracked in 1970, plus 150 is a, is a is a league, is a franchise record for the Ra- for the Raptors. Um, I think that that alone shows that the bench is deep and that they'll. I mean, if your bench can can drop you points, that's in my opinion, that's how that's how you win. You know, that's how you win championships. And I and I'll, I go back to I always go back to hockey. I know that's annoying, but. When your bottom six are producing and your top guys are just doing their thing, you, you tend to do well. Um, and we'll be talking about this a lot in, in, uh, you know, in, the, in the NHL side, but this is the same type of thing. If your bench is going to be dropping points, look out, Raptor, look out, because <laughs> the Raptors are coming. Yeah, 100%. Um, the Raptors look dirty. They are incredibly deep. I, I did have them reach in the finals. Um, we'll see how they go. They're going to face. They're going to face the Boston Celtics in round two. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, James, the only series in the East that is technically still going on. Bucks, Magic, um, just like the Lakers, the Bucks' number one seed lost to the eight seed Magic in game one. And then the Bucks have made the Magic look pitiful. Um, I asked you last week, were you worried about the Bucks? You told me no. Uh, I'm assuming you still feel the exact same way. You're correct. I still do. I'm going to keep this short, just like Trayton did. I fully expect the series to be over by tomorrow. Um, the Bucks are going to put the heat in round two. Uh, Gian- Giannis has been absolutely dominating this series. He's averaged 30-plus points and 16 rebounds per game. On the flip side of this, Nikola Vucevic is doing his best, but it's not enough. He's averaging 29.5 and 10 rebounds per game. It's just the, the Bucks are just the more talented team overall. Uh, Magic can't do anything about that. They're trying their best, but it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, Bucks moving on, round two. Hey, yeah, r- but, real quick, Alex, if you don't mind. Go for it. Can, can I – Can I I know Adam Silver's not going to listen to this. I know the NBA's not going to listen to this. Why the you fuck – You don't know that. Why the fuck <laughs> is Giannis playing at 1 p.m.? 
Because anybody asks why he's not on primetime television, because it's fucking r- ridiculous. He's one of the best. So everybody's home from work, dude. And, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. You got a good reason, point. Got a good yeah. point. The reason he's not playing at 1 p.m. is because of that man named LeBron James, who is still the face of the NBA and will con- probably will continue to be the face until he retires, until, like I just said, my boy Luka Doncic takes over. Uh, yeah, 100%. The Bucks, you know, it's a small market team. They play in Wisconsin. We've talked about this on other sports. Those coast teams get more love than the teams in the middle of the country. Um, Giannis has really put the Bucks on the map for sure, though. Um, and he will get some love when, when and if they make it to the finals. Uh, moving on, though. Um, like we mentioned earlier, the Raptors will be facing the Boston Celtics in round two. The Celtics just destroyed the Sixers. Um, Eric, this was your other East series to talk about. I thought this series was going to be a little more intense than this. Maybe without Ben Simmons, the Sixers just didn't have it. Boston looks nasty. Uh, are you, what do you think about Boston moving forward? Uh, I have them going to the finals, and I still believe they will. I think they're going to be playing the Raptors yeah. in the Eastern Finals. I think no, they're, playing, uh, they're playing the Raptors like this. Oh, next round. Next round. They're playing well, the Raptors next round. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so close. So, I mean, I guess they're going to play the Bucks because I think they will get past the go. Raptors. But uh, okay. the Sixers just look pitiful. I mean, yeah, no Ben Simmons, but – that they, you know, TNT with Shaq and Barkley and everyone after, and, and the next day they fired their coach, the Sixers. I think he'd been there for like 10 years. He, you know, brought them from the ground up when they were complete dog shit. And Shaq said, yeah, you know, like there's blame to be thrown around everywhere, but you got to look, you know, these, these guys have been there uh, for a while. And, yeah, you're going to get rid of the coach now, but, you know, let's see if things change. Like he's like, I honestly don't think things are going to change much there, it's, and, you know. They're, they're going to need a coach to really come in there and fucking change their attitudes because we've seen this just rerun for the 76ers this last few years in the playoffs. I got to give Tobias Harris credit, though. That guy played his ass off. He did everything he could, uh, but Embiid didn't really do much. He was lazy, as I figured. But uh, I see the Celtics coming out of that series against the Raptors. I think it goes seven. Just from what I described in the past, the Celtics are some dogs out there. Uh, they're going to fucking fight for it, and uh, it's going to go seven games, and I think they could pull it off. Yeah, the Celtics, uh, they look really good. Jason Tatum is a superstar already. Um, Jalen Brown doesn't get enough love. We haven't talked about Kemba Walker. Um, Kemba is, was, you know, brought in to be one of the best players on that team, and he's, he's been solid, but Jason Tatum is, is the leader of that Boston Celtics team. I think that Celtics-Raptors, series is probably the one to watch in the east coming up in the second round uh Tyler real quick the very last series in the east Pacers heat the heat just outclassed the Indiana Pacers uh that was another sweep 4-0 technically that was a upset if you want to say the heat were the five seed the Pacers were the four seed uh the, the heat now have to face Giannis and the Bucks uh what did you think of this series and what do you think of the heat moving forward yeah, uh, this was a series I thought would go a little longer than it did. Um, this is the fifth straight season the Pacers have lost in the first round. Uh, so if you're a Pacers fan, sorry. Um, yeah, it's just for sure this all came down to the depth of the, of the Heat bench. Uh, 
Tyler Hero off the bench was in double digits every single game. He had 20 in game three. Uh, in, in game four, Miami outscored the Pacers bench 38 to three. Um, so that right there, I think, tell, tells what happened in, in that series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, moving forward against the Bucks, I think that the Heat will give the Bucks a little bit of a run for their money. I don't think that they're talented enough to, to beat the Bucks. Um, but I think off this series sweep, um, Jimmy Butler is kind of resting a uh, hurt, hurt shoulder. You know, hopefully that's uh, not as serious as it, it might look. Um, I don't, I don't think they will beat the Bucks, but I think that it will be a more um, challenging series for the Bucks than I think a, a lot of people think. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, I think this will be a good test for the Bucks. So then, when they face either the Raptors or the Celtics, possibly in the Eastern Conference Finals they'll have a little bit more of a challenge. You know, they've kind of been a little more battle-tested by that point. Um, but for sure, so far, the West has been the much more entertaining conference to watch. Um, one last thing, uh, the NBA draft lottery was this last week. Uh, Minnesota comes out with the number one pick again. Um, they do already have Carl Anthony Towns and Angelo Russell. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Golden State ends up with the number two seat, or number two pick. I'm expecting them to trade that pick, um, maybe tagging it with Andrew Wiggins and kind of getting getting some more uh, help with that Golden State team. That's probably honestly going to compete next year. Oh, yeah. And then the Michael Jordan-led Charlotte Hornets are the number three pick. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, we're not going to get into it right now. There's just not enough time, and we'll kind of get into the NBA draft when it actually becomes closer. Uh, but I wanted to throw that out there. Um, again, happy birthday, Kobe. Uh, 824 Mama Day. Um, they are going to name part of Figueroa Street in downtown LA after Kobe. Uh, that was announced yesterday. I think that's super cool. Um, that's my NBA wrap up. We'll talk about it more next week as we kind of get into the meat of the second round. One last note Clippers just won by 43 points. So that's how they respond to losing on a buzzer beater to Luka Doncic. Yeah, huge, huge win for the Clippers for sure. Good to hear. Thank you, Alex. Um, and again, Adam Silver, please show us more Giannis at primetime television. <laughs> um, with that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to, we're going to, James is going to talk, take us through the NFC South. Welcome back. The NFC South is one of the last two divisions that James has to take us through. James, take it away. Really excited about this one, guys. There's a lot of really great teams. Oh, it's and, my favorite one. And Jaden's favorite one, so he's <laughs> going to be talking a lot here. Uh, we're going to start with the Carolina Panthers here. Uh, last year, they were 5-11. and 11. Cam Newton went on IR after week two, and Ron Rivera was fired after week 13. So they now have a new head coach in Matt Rule. In college, his college career was 47-43, uh, but his last year at Baylor, he went 11-3. and three. He's known for having really, really creative, like, spread offenses. So we'll see how that works in the NFL. They were ranked 20th in total offense and ranked 31st in total defense. Their weakness coming into the offseason was cornerback. Like I mentioned a second ago, they were ranked 31st in total D, and their cornerback run defense grade was a league-worst 31.8. They lost a lot of people, and when I say a lot, that's an understatement. They lost, like, half their team. They lost Cam Newton, Eric Reed, Bruce Irvin. He went to the Seahawks again. They're starting right tackle, Daryl Williams, Gerald McCoy, and, and Don Torrey Poe went to the Cowboys. They're starting right guard side for the Jets. They lost James Bradbury, Bradbury to the Giants, Mario Addison to the Bills, and Luke Keekley retired. 
which is tough because he was one of the best linebackers in the league for a very long time. So they went to the draft and they drafted Derek Brown, a defensive tackle. He's a mammoth of a man. He had 170 tackles in college from Auburn. And they also got a defensive end, Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State. Um, after losing all those guys, they signed three big-name players. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was signed from the Saints for three years, $63 million. He was uh, Drew Brees' replacement last season when Drew Brees went down, and he won all five of his games. He did really well. They also signed Robbie Addison from the Jets and Eli Apple from the Saints. My prediction is that the Panthers go 5-11. and 11. They, signed a lot of, they signed a couple of big-name guys, and they, have, they finally have a QB they can build around, but they lost way more than they gained. On defense, their secondary got a little bit better, but the sudden retirement of Luke Keekley leaves a huge hole in the middle of their defense. The D-line lost a bunch of key pieces, which amounted to 27 stacks. On offense, Teddy Bridgewater is a good, efficient QB, and I'm interested to see how he meshes with CMC and DJ Moore. But other than these three names, there's not much else in offense to talk about. Uh, much like with every other team that I talk about, this new offensive line will have to step up and perform if the team wants any sort of success. Tyler, let's start with you. What do you think? Yeah, if you're a season ticket holder for the Panthers, you got to be happy this is the season you won't be able to go to the games. Um, it's going to be a rough time for those Panthers. Um, I'm, I'm giving them three wins just to be gracious. Um, but, yeah, like as you wow. mentioned, there's a lot of change. They lost a lot of their key players. Um, they're in a really tough division. You know, I think three games being a little generous personally. I'm a little surprised if you gave them five, but uh, I might be wrong. Um, but – yeah, it's it's gonna be a rough, rough season for the Panthers. Trading. Uh yeah, I see four and ten. I'll give him another win. Whatever. Um <laughs> split the difference. The O line is the biggest question mark. Uh Teddy Bridgewater, I know that he's he's pretty solid, but I, I just question his ability to to really do much without a strong O line. Christian McCaffrey is his strongest weapon and he's a running back. <laughs> Although I will say CMC is a godsend on the on the fantasy side, but we'll get to that. Um and defense. I need you just need to learn one one thing and it's four words. Stop the damn run. They gave up 31 rushing touchdowns, which is not only the worst in the NFL, but we haven't seen something that bad since the Detroit perfect or should I say imperfect season and they had Luke Keekley. Come on now. <laughs> they did fix their secondary, but they need to fix the run. I I four wins is gracious, I think. And I'm actually being a little more gracious than Tyler. Alex uh, I'm being much more optimistic on the Panthers. Um, I think people are kind of sleeping on them because they lost Cam. Teddy Bridgewater is a very efficient and accurate quarterback, and I think he and DJ Moore and CMC, who gets a lot of fucking touches in the reception game. Um, I'm going to go 7-9. and nine. Um, I'm wow. not as high on some of these other teams. I think this is possibly the most intriguing division in football this year. 7-9. and nine. Suck it. <laughs> I'm interested to see the rest, the rest of the predictions here. And Eric, wow. what do you think? Six and ten. You got McCaffrey. You got Bridgewater. I agree with Alex on Bridgewater. I think he's pretty solid quarterback. I think he's going to hold his composure. Their defense is going to haunt them, though. They got their fast receivers, Moore, Anderson, Samuel, uh, six and ten. Okay. That was the most variant I've ever had in a prediction, just so you guys know. Going to fantasy here, we're going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater first. His ADP is 167, going as QB 25. Last year, he posted a 92 touchdown to interception ratio and a 68% completion percentage. So just pretty much in line with what Alex was saying earlier. Alex, with weapons like CMC and DJ Moore, do you think Teddy finishes as a top 15 QB? 
Um, I don't have him there quite yet. Um, he'd probably be my backup on my fantasy team. Um, I want to. I really do. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I think his story's amazing. Fantasy-wise, though, if he had stayed with the Saints, I might have honestly picked him higher than if he wow. came, when he came to the Panthers. Um, we can talk about that when we get to the Saints. But um, uh, right now I have him as, as like a QB2 on your team, a backup to kind of play – um, depending on who your QB one is, got to pick that pick that by week. Um, see how it goes from there. Okay. CMC ADP is one point three, running back one. Um, last year, by far the best fantasy player there was. He was the next closest running back was one hundred fifty six points away. Tyler, last year you had number one overall, and you picked Saquon over CMC, and CMC oh. fell to be at number two. This year, if you get number one overall again, who would you pick? Ah, you know what? I'm actually going to go with Saquon Barkley again. Um, okay. I don't think lightning will strike twice. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I think. The worst thing you've had. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I think, I think Saquon's just a better overall, overall talent. I think he's on a better overall team. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey's, I mean, no, nothing against him. Great running back. Obviously he's going to get a huge load of, of, of he's going to get a lot of the workload this season. Um, but I'm going to trust in my gut. My gut tells me to go with uh, Saquon. Okay. Moving on to DJ Moore, the wide receiver. His ADP is 34.3, wide receiver 11. He's been getting better and better every single year he's been in the league. His first year, he had 57 receptions for 788 yards. And last year, he had 87 receptions for 1,175 yards. Traden, you had him at wide receiver 9, but his ADP is wide receiver 11. Why do you have him so much higher? I don't know. I, I feel... Uh... I feel he's got something there. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's coming in, and I think he's going to be, like I said, I know that O-line's a question mark, but I think that besides CMC, he has a pretty good um, alternative um, target. Um, and, and I see that he, you know, I, th- I think that right now he's actually a solid pickup at, you know, wherever he's drafted at. I think I think he's kind of a steal there. Um, he had a nice um, 1,100 or almost 1,200-yard season. That's pretty solid. It is. Moving on to the, probably the most talked about team this offseason, that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In 2019, they were 7-9. Overall, I think they were just pretty unlucky because they had a positive or plus nine-point differential, so they should have won more games than they lost. Their head coach is Bruce Arians, who is going into seventh year of coaching. His career record is 65-42. and 42. They ranked three in total offense and 29th in total defense. They only had 47 sacks on the season, which is only higher than six other teams. Their weakness going into the offseason was finding a better QB because Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions. Um, moving, they lost a couple of big players. They lost Bo Allen to the Patriots, and they lost math guy Carl Nassib to the Raiders, and Jameis Winston went to the Saints. They went into the draft and drafted uh, Tristan, Tristan Wirfs in the first round out of Iowa. He's one of four NFL-ready tackles, and he's really damn good. He's probably the most athletic tackle there's been out of the draft. He broke three different records out of the, at the combine. Crazy. They also drafted Antoine Winfield Jr. and Keyshawn Vaughn, a running back from Vanderbilt in the third. Their big name addition this offseason is some small name guy named Tom Brady, a.k.a. the Not Gilbert. a big deal. <laughs> he signed from the Patriots for two years, $50 million. They also signed LaShawn McCoy from the Chiefs recently, and Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement to get traded to the Buccaneers. My prediction, and this might be a little out there, well, my prediction is that they go 10-6. and six. They just added Tom Brady. That's huge. He now plays with an offensive-minded head coach who has a penchant for having top-tier offenses. 
TB12 is now paired with the best wide receiver duo in the league and a top third offensive line. The defense didn't really add any impact bets, but I predict that they'll perform much better than they did last year. Devin White was a highly tied rookie linebacker last season, and I think he takes a massive step forward this year. The main reason I think they'll do better is because they'll have more time to rest and spend less time on the field. Last season, they were on the field for more than any other defense because of the high amount of turnovers from Jameis Winston. With the added rest and another year to build chemistry, I think their defense moves from 29 to one of the top 15. Eric, let's start with you. What do you think? 10 and 6 as well. Uh, you pretty much summed it all up. TB12 will be with the best wide receiver tandem from last year, and their quarterback was that bum Jameis Winston, who's a piece of trash. Uh, Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Howard, straight weapons to build this machine of an offense they have, and that's going to help give the defense a little more rest on the sidelines when the offense is on the field scoring all the points, winning the game. Defense is going to get their job done because they're not going to have to do everything to just keep them in it. Uh, they will make playoffs. They'll be 10 and 6. Alex? I flip-flopped on the Bucks a lot. I've gone from them going 6 and 10 to 10 and 6. Um, I'm going to stick with 9 and 7 for now. I, here are my worries. Their running game is a little iffy. Um, and I think if their running game cannot show up, then people are just going – the defenses of opposing teams are just going to – focus on Tom Brady and just let the running game, they're just not even going to worry about it. Um, Bruce Arians offenses are typically, they want to throw the ball downfield as far as possible. Tom Brady is as old as fuck. I don't think that's a secret. Um, his arm strength is not what it used to be. He is still the GOAT. Um, I'm a little worried that he's not going to be able to mesh with Godwin and Evans as quickly as one hopes. I don't understand how many tight ends they have. There's so many of them that are so good. I don't know how the reps are going to come in. Um, I'm not 100% sure Gronk is going to be healthy. There's a reason he retired when he did. His back is fucked. Um, you know, and I, don't ima I can't imagine Gronk being like, okay, let me take a year off. Let me rest my back. No, dude, that dude was fucking partying and lifting chicks up and doing whatever else Gronk's doing. Uh, their defense is... I kind of agree with Eric. They're going to have to just keep them in the game. Hopefully their high-flying offense can deal with it. Um, but I have the Bucks at 9-7. and seven. Um, I'm not as high on them as other people are for sure. Trade. Yeah, I see 10-6. and six. Look, guys, Brady I, – I, kind of, I kind of equate what Brady did to Peyton Manning when he go to, went to the Broncos. He sees a team that has great pieces, and maybe he's the final key um, to unlocking their potential. Um, Plus, I mean, you're going to amazing weather year-round instead of that brutal winter New New England. How are you? Um, plus, Bruce Arians has a great reputation of coaching elite quarterbacks. Uh, Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer. Ever heard of him? Yeah, me, I have too. Um, he's coming to a team with more talent than he's ever seen. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, this is this lineup is insane. Yes, the defense is. I agree with the uh, with you guys. I think the defense just need to tread water here. But I agree, James, that I think that Brady's going to keep the offense on the field longer. Um, he may not have the arm strength that he used to, but he has something way bigger between his ears than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. And I think that that's his biggest asset is his brain, is, is, is he understands the game better than some, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, I, I got I to say 10 and 6, and they're, they're my team. They're, I'm watching them all season long. And Tyler. Yeah, I also have them at uh, 
at 10 and six. I think this team for a couple of years now has been kind of ready to, to, to go off. Uh, I think Tom Brady and a few other key pieces that they've added is that kind of final push to make them a, a playoff team. Um, it, it, it is a tough division, um, but I do think that they perform well. 10 and six record, walk our team. Okay. Um, going on fantasy here, Tom Brady is going at 74.8, QB number seven. Eric, Tom Brady is going one pick ahead of Drew Brees. Tom Brady has finished 12th or worse in the last four years. Who would you rather pick and why? Drew Brees. Uh, that guy's like, fuck, well, I just said Tom Brady's going to have the highest powered offense. But that guy has the highest powered offense. Uh, he's, he, Drew Brees just continuously gets the job done uh, in the season. So for fantasy, that's what you want. And I would pick Drew Brees. Okay. Uh, Ronald Jones is next. His ADP is 84.8, going at running back 29. Alex, we talked about the Bucks and the running backs in the first episode, our very first episode ever. You were pretty high on Keyshawn Vaughn. So would you trust Ronald Jones to be to play up to his ADP and be a top 30 back? No. 100% no. Um, I don't really want to tell you guys, since we do have a draft later this <laughs> week. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking away from Ronald Jones. I don't want any part of him. Um, I think by, you know, the first couple of weeks, Keyshawn Vaughn is running back number one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'd much rather draft him. 100% agree with you there. Uh, now we're going to move on to the amazing wide receiver tandem in Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin is going at 22.3, while Mike Evans is going at 22.8. It honestly doesn't get much closer than that here, guys. So we're going to do a little quick go through. Um, what do you, who do you think is going to be better and why? Tyler, start with you. Ah, uh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Um, Godwin? Because, because I said it's something. got God in his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's why. Eric, thank you, Eric. <laughs> you thank you. And I would okay, pick Godwin as well because he's got God okay. in his name. And I remember always losing to him in DraftKings and fantasy. So, Godwin. Alex? Uh, I'm going to go Evans. Uh, a little bit more of a track record. And Trayden. I'm flipping a coin right now, and it looks like Chris Godwin. Okay. I'd actually would, I would definitely go with Godwin, too. He's a little bit younger, a little bit more explosive. And he seems to always be where the ball's supposed to be and catch. He catches almost everything. So I'm going to go with Godwin there. Lastly, we're going to talk about Gronk. He's going at 72.1, tied in number six. Tyler, we talked a little bit about Gronk in the first episode. Do you think he's going to make a top five tight end impact, or do you think he's more of a figurehead? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I think that's just a risky pick with, with the year off and the, the other weapons that they have on that, on that uh, team. I honestly would steer clear of him unless he's there at the very end, maybe pick him up just in case. But other than that, I, I, I personally am going to stay away from Gronk for now. Okay. Moving on to a team with another 7-9 and nine record, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. The head coach is Dan Quinn. They, um, they're in his fifth year as a head coach. He's had a 43 and 37 career record last year the Falcons ranked 13th in total offense 23rd in total defense their biggest weakness was their secondary their o-line was also a big concern because matt ryan was sacked a career high 48 times moving on or people who moved on Devontae freeman austin hooper adrian claiborne devondra campbell desmond trufant and vic beasley they went in and drafted a cornerback in aj terrell and a defensive end in marlon davidson they've added three big names not really big names, but we'll see. Uh, Todd Gurley from the Rams, one year, 5.5 million after being cut from the Rams. They also 
got Hayden Hurst from the Ravens through a trade, and they signed Dante Fowler Jr. from the Rams, who had 11.5 sacks last season. My prediction is that the Falcons go 8-8. Eight and eight. The Falcons did not fix any of their weaknesses this season whatsoever. They may have one of the best wide receivers in the league, but it doesn't mean anything if Matt Ryan doesn't have time to throw. Todd Gurley hasn't shown any of the explosiveness that had made him an all-pro two years ago and really needs to come and that really needs to come back if he wants a shot at running back at running through this offensive line that's basically Swiss cheese. The Falcons already have a terrible secondary, and it got worse for the loss of Desmond Trufant to the Lions. They replaced him with rookie AJ Terrell, whose biggest weakness is coverage downfield. Terrible move. I don't know why they did that. Uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones pairing will be will always be really fun to watch, but they won't be able to overcome any of the weaknesses that I presented earlier. Jay, let's start with you. What do you think? Yeah. I'm going to give him eight and eight. Um, I'm a huge Matt Ryan guy and I'm a huge Julio Jones guy. So uh, I just, like you said, I love watching those two play. Um, you know, I, I think that their, that their defense needs to figure it out. I, I did, I do find it weird. I find it interesting that Dan Quinn gave up his D, defensive coordinator stint and let the kind of D coaches run the unit. And that's when they started to kind of improve. It kind of seems like last year they had a very, bad start first half and then their last half was actually pretty freaking solid um so you know and both the offense and the defense kind of had that um so if if they can kind of you know mirror what they did in the second half i think that they're going to be a much better team but i don't see them playing much better than eight and eight um i wish that matt ryan and and julio jones could could get something better than that i wish you know it'd be nice to see him in a super bowl again um i love those guys but I don't, I don't see it. Alex? Um, I also have them at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, I have zero faith in Dan Quinn. It would not surprise me at all if he did not make it through this season. Um, I Traden, you fucking nailed it. Like, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, like, what a tandem. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what Todd Gurley is. I love Todd Gurley, and I hope the best for him. But unless he proves something, you can't trust him that much his knee is just not what it used to be it is a bummer um the falcons should be a much better team than what they are but yeah i've got them going eight and eight eric i was gonna give them eight and eight but uh i'm gonna go seven and nine because first off their chick-fil-a and their fucking stadium is closed <laughs> on sundays uh they should have built a canes there maybe i'd give you a little more leeway but oh, yeah God. i'm bummed about my boy todd Gurley as well I hope to see him do well, but they're just not going to do good. Matt Ryan is going to get sacked a lot, uh, and Julio Jones isn't going to catch a lot of passes because they won't get thrown to him because Matt Ryan will be getting bum-rushed. Uh, and their defense has those wildly inexperienced secondary loopholes, like you mentioned, just like when your controller turns off in Madden, like right when that play starts and they just get blown by. That's what's going to happen to them all season. Mm-hmm. And Tyler. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. Falcons are definition of mediocre. Uh, eight and eight. <laughs> Moving on to fantasy, Matt Ryan, ADP is 94.2, QB number nine. He plays in a dirt cutter offense, which is high volume, so his numbers are typically always really good. Traden, you had Matt Ryan at QB number 10. Do you trust him to put the same good numbers behind this offensive line? I mean, yeah, he, he is, he's amassed 4,500 yards, an average of 4,500 yards for eight years straight. Um, 44-66 last year, so whatever. Um, with 26 touchdowns, he slings the ball, boy. Like, that guy can sling. Um, 
2.18 touch uh, TDs per interception, which is pretty solid, and a and a QB rating of over 100 in the last four years or twice in the last four years. I, I'm a huge Matt Ryan. I just love the guy. I think he's I think he's fascinating. I think he's fun to watch. Um, it, it's interesting to see his type of body, his type of body um, structure, do what he can do. Um, so I, I would say 10 is probably safer than nine, to be honest. But I just love him. Todd Gurley right now is going at 37.9, RB15. Tyler, I know you're a big TG3 or TG2 fan, whatever his name is, because it keeps changing for some reason. Yeah. But how do you think he's going to do in fantasy this year with this offensive line, which is actually better than the Rams, because Rams' offensive line last year was dead last. Yeah, it is super weird how we just dropped a number randomly through no explanation that I've heard of yet. Um, so that's my biggest thing about Kyle Gurley. What happened to the three? Um, but in terms of what's going on with uh, the Falcons, yeah, I mean, I think you have a good point there. Uh, slightly better offensive line last year. Um, I think that he does improve slightly because of just the year he had last year was just really uncharacteristic. I think he bounces back in some way, even 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 with the injury to the knee. Um, I think he'll have a slightly better season, but he's definitely not the Todd Gurley he was. And last but not least, Julio Jones going at 16.3, wide receiver number five. This guy averages 10.5 targets per game. Alex, I'm going to ask you a question, and Eric, I'm going to ask you another question. But Alex, you had him at wide receiver number three. Do you think he makes a push to the top two wide receivers? Top two, no. Um, I just don't think he's going to get enough targets in the red zone to make it worth it. Um, He's got another guy on the other side of the field that's probably going to end up getting more of the targets because defenses are going to focus on the name. That's awesome. And Eric, dude, are you okay? You had him at wide receiver eight next to Keenan Allen. What are you doing? Are you okay? Uh, Once you see the Falcons this year go three and fucking lose every other game, basically, Matt Ryan not throw passes to Julio Jones because he's getting sacked all the time and pressured. That's not going to make Julio Jones do well in fantasy. The kid who says, I deserve to get punished, you wait and see. You heard it here first. Dude, I don't know dude. what that means okay, at all. Okay, okay, hold on. Time out. You wait and see that he's not no. going to do dick this year. Dude, the, the Falcons went 7-9 and nine last he's year, old. and the guys – hold on. And well, the guys still amassed 1,400 yards line. last year and They're still – like, his average 1,400 yards in 2013, and he still almost did it last year. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, fuck. Pearson just scored to make this game go up 5-2. Oh, okay. <laughs> fuck Vegas. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Saints here, fellas. In 2019, the Saints went 13-3. and They lost to the Vikings in the wild card in overtime, 20-26. to They coached by Sean Payton, who's a fantastic head coach. They ranked number four in total offense and 13th in total defense. Their biggest weakness, which is not a weakness at all, is finding a wide receiver to complement Michael Thomas. Last year, Michael Thomas had 149 yards, 1,700 yards, or 149 receptions, 1,700 yards, and nine touchdowns. They lost Teddy Bridgewater, which we talked about earlier, to the Panthers. They lost Von Bell to the Bengals, and A.J. Klein, their leading tackler, or their second leading tackler, to the Bills for three years, $18 million. They drafted Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, who didn't allow a sack in 449 pass block reps last season. That's incredible. And they drafted a linebacker in the third round as well. They added Malcolm Jenkins from the Eagles. I know Tyler said. Emmanuel Sanders from the Niners and Jameis Winston uh, from the Bucks. My prediction is the Saints go 13-3 again. Like I said before, they didn't have any true glaring weaknesses going into the offseason. 
but they ended up finding a wide receiver, a good wide receiver to complement Michael Thomas. To be honest, there's really not much else to say about the Saints other than they're going to be good. The defense got better with the addition of Malcolm Jenkins and the continued dominance of Cameron Jordan. The O-line lost Pro Bowl guard Larry Warford because he opted out because of COVID, but drafted rookie Cesar Ruiz ensures that this is still a top five offensive line. The Saints are in win-now mode, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Saints 13-3, and and they have a good chance to make the Super Bowl. Alex, I'll start with you. Um, I have them at 11-5. and um, I do think the Saints are still the class of this division. Drew Brees, um, you know, as much as Traden loves Matt Ryan, I feel like I love Drew Brees just as much. He just seems like the coolest dude. Um, he is getting up there a little bit. Um, he is past 40, so that is why – I'm just a little bit down on them. I'm a little bit worried health-wise. Um, he's obviously a future Hall of Famer. Um, Alvin Kamara does not get the respect that he deserves sometimes um, as that number one running back. Mike Thomas, what a fucking monster. Um, yeah, I got him 11-5. The division got a little bit better. I think there's maybe a game or two that kind of they squeak. You know, they kind of just maybe don't give it their all because they know they've got the division. They're saving it for the playoffs. Tyler? Yeah, I got him at 13-3. and three. Um, This one been one of the best teams in the NFC the last few years, and they just got even better, like you mentioned, James. Um, I see this team 13-3 and three and uh, making the Super Bowl this year. Eric? 12-4, and four, they're really good. They got a lot of really good guys. Uh, we just know that. They got Malcolm Jenkins, and they have one of the third best home records since 2016. I know there's no fans, but they're still just going to be really good. And last but not least, Trayden. Yeah, I actually see 12 and 4. Um, I only say that because uh, Tom Brady and, and um, Drew Brees are going to sling it against each other twice this season. So I, I think that I think that the Bucks will, will squeak out a win against them there. Um, what's I, what I love about the Saints is that they have short memories. You know, two heartbreaking um, playoff losses in a row have have preceded 13 season 13 win seasons. So they, they don't let, they don't keep that on their backs. They continue to play. Um, and I, I, I'm with you, Alex. I love Drew Brees. I love most of the quarterbacks in this whole division. That's why I, I love this division so much. Um, so yeah, I, I see, I see 12 and four actually 12 and four. Uh, talking about fantasy real fast here. Drew Brees is going at QB number eight, ADP 86.3. He is the best non-rushing QB in the league right now. And I think he should be at QB number seven instead of Tom Brady. Alvin Kamara's ADP is 12.5, RB number four. He played hurt most of last season, apparently. Did not know that. Um, he does have a lot of goal line touches, which is concerning. So Eric, Dalvin Cook is going at 6.1. So who has a higher chance of finishing the top five, the Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook? Uh, I believe Kamara does. Uh, he's just solid. He's got that high-powered offense around him. Um, more of a chance to score, more of a chance to do better. we go with Kamara. And last, we're going to talk about Michael Thomas. His ADP is 6.2, and he's wide receiver number one. Last season, he put up 301 points, or 374 points. This season, he's projected for 301. So initially, I thought that DeAndre Hopkins would make a push wide receiver one. But after looking at the stats and his improvement of the Saints, there's no question. Can't guard Mike is going to finish wide receiver one, hands down. So the biggest question is, is his ADP of 6.2 too low? Tyler, Alex, what do you guys think? I'd say, yeah. I mean, I think he, that guy's proven that he's been one of the best, best, best offensive weapons in the NFL. I don't see how he's on a, in the top five. Yeah, I'd probably pick him four after the big three running backs, CMC, Saquon, and Ezekiel. 
I'm going uh, Mike Thomas, definitely number four. And that's all I got for my segment, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, James. I'm very excited for football to, to start, let me tell you. Um, we're going to take one more break, and we come back. We're going to go through these NHL playoffs with Eric. Welcome back. And uh, Eric's going to take us to the NHL, but first I'm going to get two news tidbits as it comes as it pertains to the NHL. Todd Reardon of the Caps has been ousted after two seasons not making it out of the first round. Should you have maybe paid Barry Trotz? Me think so. Um, Casper Kapanen of the Leafs was actually traded back to Pittsburgh in a six-player trade um, who actually drafted him first round in 2014. So they're going to get him back and give him another chance. Um, Toronto will be walking away with Pittsburgh's first round pick um, in that trade. So that's kind of where we go from there. That is my news. Eric, take us through the series, man. Yeah. Um, Toronto, fucking, let's not even talk about those bums. I want to get going right away on that Avs Stars series. Uh, stars are up 2 nothing. the Colorado Avalanche. Um, James, I know you've been kind of covering this series. I uh, want to hear what you got to say about it. I think the Stars are rolling right now, man. And I think they have all the momentum. The Avs, honestly, looked like they'd been punched in the gut after they lost Phil Grubar. And that that's a big loss for them. Right now, my prediction is that the Stars win at five. Um, like you said, the Stars are 2-0 right now. The Avs are a really good team, but right now they're not looking like it. Uh, for Tyler Sagan finally scored his first postseason goal last in, the, in game number one. And I said that last week in last week that they were gonna so I was gonna do well and they were gonna beat the Flames if the goaltending got back to what it used to be, and that's exactly what happened. Um Dobin's been killing it recently. On yeah. the abs side, the two big injuries is Philip Grubar, their best goaltender, and Eric Johnson, those two huge players. And they're filling that in with Pavel Fancouf. Joe Pavelski. Oh wait, oh I thought you were talking about the uh Stars. What are you talking about the backup goalie for the uh, yes, Avs? I am. Francois yeah, or some shit like Francois, that. Francois, exactly. He's yeah. 30 years old and he's played in Europe forever. He's yeah. only played in the NHL for two years. Um, but his career save percentage is 0.923. It didn't show it in game two, though. So that's why I think the Stars will take it. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped the gun there and I mentioned a guy named Joe Pavelski. Trade and Tell me about Joe Pavelski. Dude, Joe Pavelski, I think, is one of the cool one of the elite leaders in the NHL. Um, and I think that that is a prime reason why the Sharks are not who they used to be. He came into this, he came into this team and ha- has made a difference. Um, he didn't start out very strong, you know, numbers wise, but he, he's the type of player that's been there. He's, I mean, the Sharks have, have been kind of perennial um, playoff teams. So he's been there. He knows he has the experience and he's going to bring that with him. Um, and he's, he's a huge part of why they're doing so well among others. Yep. And one last thing to mention about that series, uh, Corey Perry has gone into full rat mode like he always does every year in the playoffs. You could see last night he was getting under a lot of those Avs players' skin. Um, and I think, you know, he's doing exactly what the Stars need him to do in this series. Absolutely. What I think um, is also interesting with this series, real quick, if you don't mind, this series has two of probably the top leading MVP candidates for the playoffs in Miro Heiskanen and 
Nathan McKinnon. Uh, Mira Heiskanen is the only defenseman in the top 15 in points. He is tied for second in the NHL scoring race this postseason as a defenseman, and he's one of only two in the top 20. Um, and he has more, five more points than any other star, and he's dominating his own zone. So I think if you see the Stars win the Stanley Cup, Mira Heiskanen is going to win that consummate for sure. Hot take right there. Um, next series that we want to get into, uh, Lightning versus the Bruins. We are tied 1-1. Tyler's so-called Stanley Cup contending Bruins that he thinks will win this year. Gave up a couple greasy goals tonight. Uh, ended up tying it up with three minutes to go. The Rat Marchand, of course, got that goal to get to get him tied up. Um, but then they were finished in overtime by Andre Palat. Tyler, let me hear what you got to say about the series so far. Yeah, I, I think this series overall is, I think, the best and the closest matchup series, I think, of the semifinals. Um, and we see it so far. Tied 1-1. Uh, Boston won game one by a goal. Tim Bay won in overtime today. So I think it's going to be a close one this whole this whole series. I, I think it goes seven. Obviously, I picked Boston to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm going to pick Boston seven still. Um, it's the battle of the NHL's best offense against the battle of the NHL's best defense. Uh, Tampa Bay with the best offense in the league. Showed it today. They can score anyway. Um, and then Boston with the, with the best defense. Um, obviously, Tugaras, we mentioned before, out. Halak led in that um, third goal today. That probably shouldn't have gone in. Um, but I still think that he's a solid goaltender for them. Um, Tampa Bay playing without Steven Stamkos. You know, I mean, I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing uh, going forward. And uh, Tampa Bay has also kind of had Boston's number this season. They, they won four out of their five meetings in the regular season. So even though the Bruins didn't lose a whole lot, they did lose a bunch to the, to the Lightning. So uh, I think the Lightning knows how to beat the Bruins. Um, I think it's going to be a hard-fought a hard fought series. That being said, um, I still think Boston pulls this one out. But this is the series that I'm going to be watching the most just because I think it's the best matchup. Yep, and uh, trading – the Lightning got past your Columbus Blue Jackets. Unfortunately, I was rooting for the Blue Jackets too. But they seem today, they, they look like just how they did in that series versus the Blue Jackets, full puck possession, beating them down on the boards. What do you got to say about it? Yeah, depth, depth, depth for the Steam Boys. Um, they, they, are, they are a strong team. They, they, they play a very interesting game in that – they can be very flexible in how they play. They they dominate the puck. They dominate the inside, um, and and they use their their depth to their advantage. Oh, and by the way, can we talk about how amazing Victor Hedman is? He is by I mean he he continues to show that he is the best defenseman in the NHL. I mean he is uh, as the whole package. There's no one better than Victor Hedman right oh, now. There's no way. Um, Victor Hedman shows it. On the offensive side, on the defensive side, he ha- he is very, so smart. He he is one of the best defensemen in the league, and he is in the huge. He, I mean, they made a huge push in the last game. He scored those two goals for Tampa. I mean, watch out. Yeah, speaking of being defensively minded, the New York Islanders bum rushed Alex's pick, the Philly scumbag Flyers. Uh, 4-0, I believe, in game one. The series is 1-0. We got game two tomorrow. It does look like it's going to be hopefully a good, interesting series. Alex, let me hear about it. Yeah, that final score was not quite indicative of what that game actually showed. Um, The Islanders did shut the um, high-flying Philly offense down for sure. 
Um, but it was one, it was one nothing through two. Um, Carter Hart, the Phillies netminder, did give up some iffy goals, I would say for sure. Um, but you know, we were talking about the con Smythe earlier. If so far, if Philly goes on, Carter Hart is the con Smythe winner for that Philly team. Um, Varlamov, 29 save shutout in game one. That's impressive. He's a veteran goaltender. Uh, so far in these playoffs, he's eight and two with a 1.5 goals against and a 941 save percentage. If Varlamov continues to play that well, I don't think the Flyers actually do have a chance, which is a total bummer. Granted, I did pick the Flyers when I assumed the Islanders were not going to go through to this uh, second round. Um, but yeah, there was an empty netter. There was a couple iffy goals um, given up there by Carter Hart, but Carter Hart has played generally pretty fucking well so far um, in these playoffs. I do think um, because they're my pick, I'm going to stick with the Flyers. I'm going to stick with Gritty. I'm going to stick with those ugly-ass fucking sweaters they wear. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, this one is also a very interesting series. It's kind of the same thing what Tyler's just saying. High-flying Philly offense between just a rough and tough Islanders team that's just going to wear you down defensively. Um, I'm really interested to see how these can, how these games continue on. Yeah. And um, the Flyers, you know, that game, I believe it was one, nothing until about four or five minutes left when then all those sloppy goals came down. So yeah, it was way much of a closer game than four, nothing. But I believe Kevin Hayes is the only one of those top five seasonal goal scorers they've had to even get a playoff goal going for them trade in. What do they need to do to pick it up versus this Barry Trotz, like we mentioned earlier, and his defensive-minded Islanders? I, I think that you need to out-coach him in terms of getting those your guys off of the off of the ice when when the Islanders' first line is on. Because here's the thing, I and it was interesting is Barry Trotz actually wasn't really he didn't care for the the Islanders' play. Um, their second period was kind of was was a bit weaker. But that this is the type of games, and we're gonna we're gonna assume it was a one-zero game, right? Because the other three goals were whatever garbage time. I would I would call it. The Islanders win one-goal games. That's how they do it. They they grind you down. They swallow up the middle of the ice, and they take up the 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 the, the real estate. Um, you know they, they they swallow you up completely. Um, you know Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, as you said, they didn't get anything going. Kevin Hayes was the most prominent, but he couldn't do anything. Um, you know, it, it seems like it was just a, it was just a big lock between the top lines. And I think that's all, all the Islanders need to do. They just need to, to wear you down. It's the most boring hockey. It's so frustrating being on the other side. I've been there, but also being on, being on the, the Islander side, it's very effective. And, and eventually, you know, the Flyers are going to start taking penalties. They're going to start, you know, take becoming chippy. That's when the Islanders will take their strikes. Um, you know, I, I don't see the Flyers being unless the Flyers can figure out how to score a goal for Christ's sake. I, the Islanders are just going to continue to swallow you up. Yeah, and uh, you're talking about swallowing, and I would rather spit on the Vegas Golden Knights, who are in a series right now with the Vancouver Canucks. And thank God this series is tied one-one. But let me get in. To the, to the whole gist of things, Canucks shocked the world by actually winning a series in the first round, especially versus St. Louis Big Bad Blues, who looked pretty bad. Uh, you got to hand it to the Canucks, though. They did take care of 
Jordan Bennington. They stripped him down to his street clothes with their high-powered offense, uh, just kept scoring goals on him, threw him to the bench, threw him aside. Um, but this game one of this series, uh, Vancouver lost 5 nothing, and they got straight beat down. Their high-powered offense was high-powered jack shit. Uh, <laughs> Vegas ran the show, and – after watching that game, I was just like, fuck, because I, I bet $50 more that Vegas would lose this round. Um, so I'm already in $50 of debt. But, you know, it seemed like they weren't going to be phased after that game. You saw that rat Antoine Roussel used to be on the Dallas Stars, um, well-known rat of the league. He wasn't even a pest at all that game. Reeves was balking at him like a chicken on the bench. It was pretty embarrassing uh, for Roussel. And then when they were down 4 nothing to start the third, he, like, hugged Reeves and grabbed him and pulled him aside like he was going to kiss him on the cheek. Uh, you know, Jones uh, at the intermission was like, this is the point where you fight. Even if you know it's Reeves and he's going to beat the hell out of you, you do something to show your team, like, let's wake up here, let's get moving. Thank God, though, today, nine seconds into the game, ex-LA King Stanley Cup champion Tyler Toffoli scores a goal, assisted by – Ex Stanley Cup LA King, <laughs> fuck Stanley Cup champion LA King Tanner Pearson to Foley three points tonight. Pearson two points tonight. How are you performing in the playoffs like they should? Um, great to see Vegas lose tonight. They were down four one in the third. Um, Traded. What the fuck <laughs> is Vegas yeah, so gonna gonna just come back and pounce them? And I hope they don't. But knowing them, it's gonna be you know they come right back from this. Look. I after game one, I thought it was kind of set in stone, but they, but the Canucks are, are 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 a strong team that that react very very well. Um, going back to the first game, it was utter domination. I mean, Besser and Pedersen didn't even record a shot. Knights managed an eighteen to six um, advantage in the in the slot shots. Like they were dominating in the middle of the ice. They were taking up real estate and, and winning that game. And then you have Antoine Wissel, who's trying to be a pest, and he actually looked like a fucking dumbass um ryan reeves made him look like a complete joke ryan reeves recorded 10 hits as a fourth liner by the way like what a game i love ryan reeves i don't care what anyone says i think he's i think that he you know any on any other team you guys are loving if he's a king i'm telling you right now and what i noticed that the canucks did is they played down to the to the vegas game the vegas will will penetrate you through the middle they will transition well but they will also play a heavy game and the canucks that's not their game they are not built for that. So when you drop down to that, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to pound you into the ground and hard, and they did. So I, 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 I asked the Canucks, I said, okay, I didn't ask them, obviously, but I said, you guys need to not fight the bullies and just win with your speed and explosiveness. That's how you win hockey games. Case in point, look what just yeah. happened. That's how yeah. you beat the Vegas Golden Knights with more speed, with more explosiveness. Don't get into the shit. Don't try to fight them. And I actually disagree with Jones in that fighting Reeves probably would have made it worse. And I'm pretty sure that, and I agree with what was said on Sportsnet, Brian Burke, he said he, he probably got taken aside by the coach or the general manager and said, look, look, Russell, I, you know, it's, you're admirable for what you're trying to do. We don't fucking need it. It doesn't help. You're making things worse. And, and you, we could have seen another game like we did, but no, they come back. They they use their speed, they use their explosiveness, their high, their high powered offense, and they get it done. And 
you know, unless the Golden Knights can respond by being that much more dominant, we're going to see a long series. Yeah, we, we got to mention that Markstrom was solid tonight. He kept them to a one goal until about two minutes left in the third. They got a trash uh, pulling their goalie, a little trash goal to make it 5-2 final. But uh, you got to give Markstrom the credit. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have more hockey for you guys next week, of course, when, uh, when we come back. Hell yeah, we'll we'll have a we'll have a better understanding of who's who's gonna be in these next series and and guys, I'm excited. We're we're getting you know hockey every day every other day, um, these teams, and I think we're gonna get a couple back to backs pretty soon this this series if I'm not mistaken. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, and I think that that does it for the podcast. As I mentioned before, please subscribe, please comment. And please check out our YouTube channel. Uh, um, these channels are actually, or these uh, episodes are actually on our YouTube channel where you can actually watch us kind of react. Sometimes I think our reactions are even better when the other person's talking. It's kind of fucking hilarious, I gotta admit. Um, especially when you have Eric talking about, you know, whatever it, it is. is. And, and yeah, so it, it's pretty fun. Um, but we appreciate all your guys' support and um, we look forward to bringing you, you know, at least 10 more and 100 more for all I care. Here we go. Thank you guys.